Blog Talk Radio. Tom Pollan, Hunter Hodes, I'm Dave Holcomb, back on the host chair. We have reached the final four in the NCAA tournament, and so has Loyola Chicago for the first time since 1963. So we'll look at the Ramblers' chances of getting back to the title game for the first time in 50 years. We'll also take a, a look back at that first championship, their only championship in school history in men's basketball over 50 years ago. It was a historic uh, victory at that time. Baylor Chicago will be playing Michigan today. We'll also review the other Final Four matchup, Villanova and Kansas. Is your bracket busted? Mine was about a round or two ago, but Hunter is still going strong with his. I'm sure we'll hear from him about that, and he'll make some predictions for this weekend. We're also going to take a look at rule changes in the NFL and MLB. The NFL, with the, their offseason in full swing, they seem to have new rule changes proposed every single year. Uh, one new rule that they could institute is a quote-unquote targeting rule, um, also being called the Ryan Shazier rule, uh, trying to take out leading with your helmet in the game. Uh, we'll argue why that is a good idea, but very difficult. It's how it's going to be very difficult to do for the NFL and could lead to major problems in 2018. And the first major or really the, the big rule change in baseball for 2018 was the limited mound visits for this season. Uh, we will have an early reaction to that rule change after just a couple days of the 2018 season. But now I'm going to welcome in my co-host first, Tom in Chicago. Tom, how are you doing today? Hey, doing all right, Dave. It's a Tom, you still there? I think we lost Tom after he said he was okay. We're glad he's okay, hoping that uh, his mic is okay again in a a couple minutes. Uh, We'll go to my other co-host now, Hunter in Virginia. Hunter, how are you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you, Dave. I can also hear taking care of business in the background. (laughs) Yeah, I guess we still have that going. (laughs) Great, Great song. It's a great song. I was saying Oh yeah, it is a great song. Great song. So, uh, any any uh, any more snow in Virginia? It seems like you get snow. Oh uh, no, we hit se- we hit seventy here in Blacksburg the other day. So that was a that was a nice one. It's all sunny here today. I don't think we're getting any more snow. I'm going. Well, that's good. That's good. Uh, April last day of March today. So April starting tomorrow. April Fools. Uh, it's Easter weekend. It's also Passover weekend, right? Is it, do I have that correct? Yeah, yeah, I um, I ate uh my uh last meal for that last night. I I can't do the full eight days. It's just impossible. I never can. Uh, oh, pardon my ignorance. So so for for Passover, you don't have bread for for uh how long? Yeah, you basically can't eight? eat anything with like bread or flour for eight days. So uh, yeah, it means also pasta, which is my favorite food, but. I can never do the full eight days. I just run out of things to eat. I just I can only do it for about four or five. I just I used to do it when I was younger, but I just I can't anymore. I can't. I understand. You know, Catholics do the the no meat on Friday during Lent, and uh, oh, I talked yeah, to that Lent. a few years ago. And uh, yesterday it was Good Friday, and I made it to ten o'clock with with no meat, so I almost made it, Hunter. Yeah, you go, Dave. 10 o'clock yeah. p.m., that is. 10 o'clock p.m., it, it's not a.m. Well, <laughs> I'm just happy it's almost April, Dave. We got the Stanley Cup playoffs in about a week and a half, which is always a great time of year. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We'll be get talking more hockey in the next couple of weeks. I don't think we'll get to it today, but we have a lot of other great topics to get to. And I think we have Tom back on the line. Tom, can you hear me now? Yeah, you have me back on the line. Uh, phoned in this time and been trying the mic. Don't know what's going on with my mic lately, but uh, definitely here from a rainy Chicago and uh, all ready to settle back and watch uh, Loyola kick some Michigan booty today. Yeah, not happening, dude. Hard pass. <laughs> oh, um, come on. Word, Mo, Mo, Mo Wagner, man. Mo Wagner is going to eat them alive in the paint. Okay, well, we should go into that in a little bit. There's plenty to, oh, yeah. plenty to analyze uh, with, this, uh, with this game today. Oh, yeah. Absolutely, and today's show is brought to you by author Marcus Accio, Learn the Secret of the Human Mind and the Laws of the Universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosaccio.com. We're going to kick off today's show with the NCAA tournament, and before we get into any specific matchup, I wanted to hear from Tom about the reaction from Chicago, uh, being one of our two cities that we cover on this show. Well, what's the reaction been like for, from Chicago of, of the Ramblers going back to the Final Four first time in over 50 years? Dave, this team has embraced uh, – this city has embraced uh, Loyola. I'm telling you, it, it is all Loyola everywhere, sports talk, radio, uh, news, newspapers. Uh, you know, about a month before the tournament, I don't think you could have caught one in – in 50 people in the city who could have told you the name of Loyola's head coach, uh, <laughs> nobody knew the name of uh, Sister Jean. And uh, suddenly, I mean, they are all over the news. Porter Moser's all over the radio. And Chicago's just having a lot of fun with it. So um, this, this, whole, this team has taken over the town. That's awesome. It's great to hear. It's funny because Chicago isn't a huge um, college sports town, right? Because Northwestern is the biggest school in the city, and and they're not particularly good at sports. So you don't normally hear uh, college fans coming from Chicago. I I guess maybe the biggest would be like Notre Dame in football, right? Well, Notre Dame in football, Northwestern – since they got better at, you know, when football started making their uh, at least, you know, bowl games every year. Uh, the first year that they made the Rose Bowl was incredible. Uh, Northwestern's profile in the Chicago area has gone up quite a bit over the last decade. and But, you know, a lot of people forget this is what it used to be like for the, uh, the Paul Blue Demons back in the late 70s and, right. and through the 80s. Uh, when uh, DePaul made the Final Four, uh, beat UCLA in the Elite Eight to make the Final Four, um, the same Final Four that Michigan State ended up playing, Indiana State, uh, the Magic Johnson versus Larry Bird championship game, uh, that's when uh, DePaul, and DePaul was a high-profile program in Chicago for a long time and until they fell on hard times and kind of, disappeared off the national radar and really it disappeared off the local radar and Loyola has kind of brought that excitement back uh, uh, the way they play it and the way they handle themselves and and uh, just their style of play and the fact that they've been you know so great against you know some, some top national teams and as I say, Chicago is, is really falling in love with this team. That's great to hear. I, I think America has fallen in love with them too. And uh, but but to uh, counter argue maybe the the uh, where the attention is going. Um, I, I I know mm-hmm. I've heard from some people this week that that maybe Sister Jean is receiving too much hype. And, and initially you're like, what? Why? Why would you be you know have such a uh, I agree with uh, take that. Take on. I know you do it. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pitch it to you in a second, Hunter. Just that 
how, how could you ever have that kind of take? But actually, I, I, I kind of agree with that too, that, that we're not giving enough attention to the actual team. All this attention is going to Sister Jean. Uh, Hunter, do you want to continue that argument? Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're right. I mean, like, I mean, let's get let, let's get straight. Sister Jean, it's just an awesome story. But I mean, this, this team has something, a chance to accomplish going to their first national championship since 1962. I think that's a little more important than just uh, Sister Jean. I, I don't, I just don't understand it. They're playing Michigan, the Big Ten championship, the Big Ten champion. Um, th- this is this is such a huge game, and they're up to a huge stage. Talk about the team and what they've accomplished. They're such a great team. They've done so much in the tournament. Talk about them. Talk about the coaching job that Loyola's coach has done. It's just we don't need to keep hearing every day about, like, Sister Jean, I guess. It's just I don't get it really. I mean, it's weird. Oh, Hunter, you're just so jaded for such a young guy. I'm telling you, all this hope, all this hope. <laughs> Yeah, I don't just, hate her. I, don't, you know, I hate her. I, don't, I think she's hilarious. I think she's actually hilarious. She's she's a hilarious uh, ninety-eight year old woman. She's very funny, but I'm just saying, just saying. She, focus more on the team. This this team is such a they're such a good team. And uh, uh Hunter, you're gonna be ordering the Sister Jean bobblehead. <laughs> I, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Maybe if they somehow <laughs> beat Michigan tonight. And I'm not killing. I'm I'm not kidding. She does have a bobblehead out, and it is a. I know. Uh, <laughs> it's a I big know. I color. Think, I think Dave is going to get one. He told us a couple weeks ago. If they if they beat Michigan, maybe I'll think about it. <laughs> uh, you know, I would I, I say think, uh, yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I was just going to make a joke. Sister Jean's bobblehead is going to look great next to Andrew McCutcheon and Marc-Andre Fleury and Sidney Cross. It's going to go right in. Well, you know, you can get the McCutcheon one out. At least the Pirates won yesterday. Yeah, yeah. We'll get to baseball in a little bit. No, McCutcheon is never leaving my bobblehead, my bobblehead shelf. Never. That's his, that's his okay. home, Hunter. Okay, well, yeah. He'll come back. You know, Sister Jean, I I would say if the players thought that she was overshadowing everything that they've accomplished, that would be one thing. The players love her, right? She has been the team chaplain for years. So, I mean, this is – she's been around this this program from from its time at the bottom to now. Uh, As I say, if the players thought that maybe – you know, this, this was getting ridiculous. That would be one thing, but but the players think this is fantastic. The players are loving it, and you know, maybe it's taking a little bit of the pressure off the players, uh, kind yeah. of giving them the chance to concentrate on Michigan more instead of worrying about mm-hmm. the press all the time. They, you know, a little bit more of the attention going to uh, the team champion. I can see that, yeah. I, I, and I, but I think Hunter's points are, are well taken as well. That that uh, I, I just don't want people to um, undersell what Loyola Chicago has accomplished here. It's, it's uh, as an 11 seed. What, we've had two other 11 seeds go to the to the Final Four, right? George in, Mason, in I think, was George, one of them. George George Mason, right, yeah. right. I, I think there was one other one. I, I think it was VCU in 2011. Yeah, was the yeah, other one. Yes, yeah. So what, I, mean, I don't, what, but I don't think anybody's underselling it. Okay. I don't think anybody is underestimating what this team has accomplished. And the, and that's the thing. I, I think it's very well recognized what these kids have accomplished. Um, it's it's just a extra, you know, nice piece of colorful. It, it, it gives somebody, it gives these guys a, all the sports writers a chance to fill more space than they, they would normally be able to do just writing about the team, uh, picking out little details. Um, you know, you got this, this whole big story you can go on and, um, you know, fill some newspaper space, fill some, uh, 
you know, fill some website space. It, it, I, I think it's been a, a positive all around. And as I said, nobody is denying the fact of what the team has done, what Porter Moser has done with this team. Uh, you know, now the big question is, can Loyola keep Porter Moser? But um, it's it's well recognized, at least here in Chicago, what the players have done and what uh, and what the, what they've accomplished this season. And I, I think the I think nationally is is, is the question of of, of are nationally are we recognizing. Um, them as much as we are Sister Jean. I still think that's a that's a question. Maybe it's different in Chicago. And one of the other things that I think we need to to give more attention to is the previous championship for Loyola Chicago because that was a magnificent moment, um, magnificent and very important season in in college basketball yes. history. And this is something that I I didn't know about honestly before last week. And and this is what's great. Uh, the the other great thing about the Loyola Chicago run is we're, we're bringing attention back to this very important season from the college basketball history, 1963 Ramblers. Uh, Tom, do you want to describe did, what happened that season? I, di- I didn't even well, know they made another Final Four. They didn't just make another Final Four. They won. They won a they national Cincinnati. Oh I can't yeah, they won that yep. tournament. Wow. That, that's actually unbelievable. I never would have thought that they would win a national champ. That's awesome. That, that, that's amazing. <laughs> um, the thing that's is, awesome. the, the, the big part about that team is in those days, there was kind of a gentleman's agreement. Remember, this is in the days before the Civil Rights Act uh, when racism was a lot more overt, uh, oh, yeah. a lot more dominant than it is now. Um and there was kind of an agreement among a lot of teams, national teams, that you could put three black players on the on the court, but or two black players, but you you don't want to put any more than that. And Loyola had four black players on the court, and which was amazing at the time. It was just, uh, it was uh, groundbreaking because it. it, cause it it took on uh, prejudice in uh, America. It took on prejudice in sports. Um, that's what people forget is, yeah, I mean, even after the Civil War and the end of slavery, blacks have struggled for their place in society um, all the way to the mid-60s when it was finally you know, the Civil Rights Act was passed and it was finally recognized, you know, a lot of these separate but equal laws were were shut down. And the fact that they still had to kind of struggle to make, make a name for themselves and, and, and become accepted in sports, it, it took a while. And back then it was not an accepted thing. And Loyola brought this, this uh, team, this this idea uh, to the forefront that, you know, we're going to put the five best players we have on the court, no matter what color, no matter what race, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to put our best players on the floor and, you know, it's going to be up to you to beat them. So <clears throat> that's a lot of, you know, that, that was, historically significant what they were able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. In, in 1962, that same season, they won the championship. They won it for the 62-63 season. Um, they were the first team to have an all-black starting lineup against Wyoming, December 29th, 1962. In that tournament mm-hmm. in 1963, um, they, they and Mississippi State made history by Mississippi State broken a state court order that prohibited them from playing against the school with black players. They they uh they broke that that law and played Loyola mm-hmm. Chicago in the NCAA tournament. Mississippi State was an all white team and Loyola Chicago yep. won sixty one fifty one and Loyola 
became the first team with four black starters to in the NCAA tournament game that season, and they beat Cincinnati in overtime, sixty to fifty, sixty to fifty-eight to to win the yep. nineteen sixty-three national championship. Wow. Yeah, and this this run by Loyola has brought a lot of those players back into the spotlight here in Chicago. Um, you know, Jerry Harkness has been uh, sitting behind the bench uh, this entire NBA uh, NCAA tournament, and it's you know they not only had to beat the team opposite them, they also had to beat. The racist attitude that you know you get fans who are going to yell and heckle a team anyway. Well, this was all racist, racial heckling and and an actual hate uh, from other parts of the country that was directed at this team because they were they had these uh, four black starters, right. So mm-hmm. it just makes it more amazing what they were able to do. Mm-hmm. And to not only uh, be the first team to have, you know, four black starters to also win the championship with that lineup, it changed college basketball forever um, and made it, yes, it did. what it is today. Yes, yes it, it did. Yeah. Exactly, uh, yeah. Just all of a sudden – uh, teams were, you know, it, it, it kind of broke that barrier. It was kind of like a lot of things, you know, um, don't think it's anything, it's not as publicized, but it's ever been as important as what uh, uh, groundbreaking black players did in every other sport. Um, they fought against the hate and in the hostility and the uh, um, what was to America accepted practice and and kind of threw everything in the face of, uh, you know, basically forced America to pay attention to them and, and went forward and won. And I know CBS has, has mentioned this, this history during Loyola Chicago's games that they definitely did during the elite eight matchup uh, with Kansas state. Um, but just to, to return to my, my previous point, I, I don't think Hunter, did you know all of this history before, you know, today's before preparing for today's show? No, no, I had never even knew they went to another final four. I never knew they won a national championship. I, 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 I never knew any of that. I and to, I think that that's our point. I had to look that all that, 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 I had to uh, look that all up. Not not enough attention. Sorry, Hunter. I had to yeah. I had to look it up when when um when Tom when Tom mentioned it earlier today. I was like, wait, what? And I had to look it up just like you guys. I, I was like, wow. I, I was I I did not know any of this. And I I don't think you're yeah. alone, Hunter. And I think that's that's the point that I was that you and I were kind of making. That Sister Jean is great. Love Sister Jean. Uh, she she is a great story. Um, the Loyola Chicago players are a great story, but I, I think this mm. deserves more than just the footnote. The 1963 yeah. championship. Yeah, I mean these players got stuff thrown at them on the court, uh, as, mm. as well as <clears throat> hate and insults. Coach uh, Ireland, I just came up on with this quote: uh, George Ireland, who was their coach. Uh, what he was telling the team at the time and basically said, no matter what they call you, just don't bother with them. But rip the ball off the backboard. Just don't rebound, but tear it off. In other words, you know, make them know you're out there to play and make them know that they got to beat you. And, 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 you know, it's, it, it takes a special coach to actually lead that kind of thing and dare other teams by by putting by by breaking convention like he did. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The whole the whole the whole staff for the sixty two sixty three team and uh, and the starting lineup holds a special place in, in college basketball history. And 
at the end of this weekend, on Monday, we'll have another team holding a special place in college basketball history with our champion uh, championship game Monday, Final Four taking place later today. Uh, Hunter, I know you want to do some bragging about your bracket and give us some predictions for these games. Well, um, at the start of the tournament, uh, I predicted a Michigan-Villanova final. Um, Villanova has made each team look like a baby out there because that's just how good Villanova is. Um, they definitely get their biggest test though today. I think this is going to be the closest game they've had yet. Uh, Kansas is no joke. Uh, Devontae Graham is one of the best players in the country. Um, but uh, overall, I think I like Villanova there. Um, I'm glad you went to me today because I went four for four last week. So, uh, Tom, um, Emperor Palpatine, you um, forced Defiant Luke. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's you today. Um because Villanova is going to win this game, they're going to get to the national, they're going to they're going to clinch my eighty dollars for one of my pools. Since it's just one of Michigan or Villanova wins, I win eighty dollars. And then, and the other game, um, I'm sorry to say it, um, I do think Loyola's run is going to end here. Um, I know they've had such a great run; it's been such a blast watching them. But um, Michigan is the best team that they've faced so far up until this point. I, I really do think that. Um, they have to go against Moritz Wagner, um, you know, great a guy down low, can do well, basically everything. I think he's going to be a bit tough for them to handle. Um, I, I just think I think Michigan, I think the game it's going to be close. It's going to be close. Um, um, would I be surprised if Michigan uh, put them away by ten? I mean, not really, but I mean they did blow away Texas A and M by over twenty. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be clo- close. I think Michigan wins that. We get a Michigan-Villanova final. And I think Villanova wins the whole thing, like I have in both my brackets. So, um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are my predictions this week. Uh, Take them to the bank. I think they'll happen. I will be pretty upset if they don't because I need them for – I need both of them for uh, one of my brackets. So, um, yeah. There you go. (laughs) All right. Okay, Hunter. Uh, week four, uh, Luke. That, that's that's okay. It, as I as I said uh, earlier this week when we were talking about it, even a blind squirrel finds a nut occasionally. Oh and, yeah, uh, man. So Grayson uh, saw that you picked them, and that's why his ball rolled out of the rim. That's the that's the reason. The thing is, <laughs> it's our fault. Yeah, it, 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 it's your fault. He saw that you guys picked him. And the ball rolled out because of that. Okay. Uh, one thing you want to look at with Loyola is they are the best shooting team in the Final Four. They've hit 50.9% uh, from the field. So, and they've hit 40% of their three-pointers. So that's one of the huge advantages that they've, uh, they're taking into tonight's game. Um, again, all of these players, none of them are afraid of the moment. Uh, all of them will take the shot if they have it. Uh, so, and that's one of the things. They don't choke. They're, they're willing to take the shot. They're willing to, to meet the moment. Uh, the thing is, they are playing a, a Michigan team that that does move the ball very well, moves the ball like they do, defends very well like they do. And I agree with you, Hunter. I think Mo Wagner is going to be uh, – a huge uh, difference. <laughs> um, the the, the uh, Loyola has hit Cameron Trutwig. He's the only player for Loyola over 6'6". Uh, just a freshman. Going to be a very good college player, but um, really has only played about 20 minutes a game and going to be challenged. Hasn't really been challenged by a center so far this tournament. Wagner's going to going to challenge him, and it's going to be up to Trumpwick to try and shut him down and try and keep him off his spot uh, in the low post. And and that's that's not going to be that might be the one big difference in this game as far as what Michigan can bring to the table. I, I love watching that kid play. He, he he does basically everything on the court. He can he plays down low. He can shoot the three. He's a good free throw shooter. 
he's just a lot of fun watching watching um, to play, and I just, I really do think he's going to be the difference in this game. He's been cold at times in the tournament, um, but I, I think this is a game where he could he could play very very well. Well, Loyola's going to have to front and back him. When he gets the ball in the post, Loyola's going to have to sag back on him, give give Frontwig help in the center, uh, in the low post, uh, bring somebody up forward so uh, Wagner can't put the ball on the floor. Um, but you know, again, then you you leave this, you know, leave out somebody else open. You know, for, for Loyola, that's that's not so bad because they're fast. They're fast as far as getting back and rotating. Yeah. But if if they leave Krutwig in the low post or you know in the middle of the floor with just uh, with no help on uh, Wagner, yeah, they're they're going to get killed with this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a fun game to watch. I'm I'm excited to uh, watch both of these games. What are your predictions, Tom? Well, let's hear. Are you going to have the same as Emperor Palpatine? Oh, God. I get the same as uh, un- Unforced Luke. Um, uh, that's not that's not my name after last week. Four out of four, baby. Oh, for crying out loud, Hunter. Oh, Kansas. Uh, I listen over Kansas. Yeah, he, hates get... Bill Self. He, he hates Bill Self so much. You got a long him. way to go before you can even come close to touching me. Oh, I'm man. telling you, he 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 let the emotions get the best of him last week when he went against Bill Self. Well, and that's the thing, you know. I want Loyola to win. I really want Loyola to win. I want to see them take down Michigan. I want to see them go to the the national championship game. I don't think they can. I think. This is going to be too tall of a of a obstacle for them. I think it's going to be a close game. I think you know they're going to get everything they got. Uh, this team has a ton of heart, but I, I can't see them beating Michigan. I think yeah, we're going to end up with a Michigan Villanova final uh, championship game. That's what I'm talking about, and then Villanova's going to win the whole thing, just like I predicted. Uh, this is going to be great. <laughs> what are we going to do with this guy? Oh, man. I don't know. It's so I don't know. We're just, so we're just going to let you him. Know, I, I predict, in, we're going to let him enjoy his moment in the sun. If I predict this final and then I predict the winner, this is the this is better than any Nostra Thomas pick Tom has ever had. If I predicted this, this, this final is, way, way back when the you know, this is that's true. Let him have his place in the sun because he spent so much spends. You know, ninety nine percent of his time in the shade. I think we can give him this one percent in the sun. In the that's, shade. That's oh, kind of what I'm thinking too. That's that's, that's what I'm thinking that's, as well. That's, maybe that's, maybe I, basketball I got, is your thing, Hunter. Well, yeah, maybe. Kansas, you know, Kansas, maybe Kansas. you don't know if you just you know you 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 know a lot of basketball. That's fine. I mean, it doesn't matter that you know nothing about football. Well, you know, we can deal oh. with that. Uh, Oh, you know, okay. so you get it right during basketball season. That that's not bad. You can be proud of that. Tom had one big hot streak during the NFL season, and the rest of that was I had more than one big hot streak, buddy. Yeah, he did. I knew he had one big one that he picked a lot of very good games. I had a couple of cold. You tr- you well, try and go you you try and go over five hundred for an entire season, picking against the spread. Let's see how easy that is. I'm a beginner in that, but I think with more experience, <laughs> I think I could go over 500. You take what you're doing. It's your tough, head. Hunter. It's tough. Okay, we'll we'll have to return to this in football season, but we will see yep. how you guys do uh, with your Villanova Michigan picks. I agree, uh, but you're, usually I'm wrong, so it's it's dangerous having the same pick as me, Hunter. Uh, and I got Michigan and Villanova. Uh, so it's it's very dangerous. I am terrible at NCAA tournament brackets. Terrible. Well, don't pick don't pick today, Dave. Just just watch the games. You're you're bad. Oh, I picked. I got Michigan Villanova. There you go. I no, got I put the that, now, we're <laughs> now we're gonna have Loyola Kansas. And I'd be okay with that. But, so. Barack Obama <laughs> is picking Loyola today. He, uh, he is he? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. Well. 
Uh, well, he he's from Chicago. Of course he is. Yeah. Homer Pick. Of course. Homer Pick. Homer Pick. Homer Pick. <laughs> Homer Pick. Oh, oh, yes. You never have any Homer Pick. Never. I do. Never. I have. I have. I have. Homer All right. Pick. We're, we're long overdue uh, for a commercial. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. Well, what's, what's that, Hunter? No, I, don't, I was just saying, yeah, I mean, Homer pick. Everyone has Homer picks, but that is a Homer pick. Okay, yeah, I, I can agree with that. But uh, we got to take yeah. a break here. Uh, great discussion. If you want to weigh in uh, with your final four picks, uh, you want to agree with Hunter or make an argument for Loyola or uh, Kansas, give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet at us at WKD Sports Huddle. We have to take a break. When we come back, we have, we're in another NFL offseason, and that means rule changes. We're going to take a look at one proposed rule change in the NFL when we come back. Do you have a business, large or small, and you need some marketing help? Then RSP Marketing Services is the marketing firm you need, offering a wide variety of marketing services and consultations. RSP Marketing Services can build you a professional website, produce video or radio commercials, draft and distribute press releases, create printed marketing items such as business cards, flyers, signs, etc., manage your social media, and so much more. RSP Marketing Services offers an a la carte selection of marketing tools so you only buy what you need. Our team of professional graphic artists can create stunningly professional marketing materials tailored just for you. See our website, www.rspmarketingservices.com for more information. That's www.rspmarketingservices.com And we're back here on WRSP Radio's Weekend Sports Huddle with Tom Pollan, Hunter Hodes. I'm Dave Holcomb. Today's show is brought to you by author Marcus Akiel. Learn the secret of the human mind and the laws of the universe that will guide you towards wealth and health. Learn more at www.marcosakio.com so we're going to take a look at uh, a proposed rule change in the NFL to end today's show. We've got about 22 minutes left. We're still fielding calls. Give us a call, 516-387-1417. You can also tweet at us, at WKD Sports Huddle. And take a look first at this proposed NFL targeting rule. Is, is, uh, that's not really what they're calling it, but that's essentially what it is. And then we're going to end today's show by looking at a new rule change in the MLB, the limitation on mound visits and have an early uh, reaction to that after the first couple of days of the 2018 season. But first, the NFL uh, is proposing putting in this, again, quote-unquote targeting rule. The rule right now states that it is a foul if a player lowers his head to initiate and make contact with his helmet against an opponent. The player may be disqualified applies to any player anywhere on the field, the player may be disqualified. Uh, But the NFL hasn't decided yet on the exact language of this new rule. The only thing they have decided on is that there will be some kind of new rule with uh, targeting, leading with your head while playing uh, defense or offense. And they will come up, the NFL will come up with the exact language of this rule in May at the next owner's meeting. So I'll go to you first, Hunter. Hunter, what's your take, early take? We have to see what the language exactly is before we have a definitive opinion on this. But early reaction to this proposed rule change, how do you feel about it? Oh, that's how I feel about it. I, I'm not really a big fan of, of the target rule in college. I think it's probably, it's probably going to be similar to it. I'm not a big fan of it in college because they always just mess it up. Um, I've seen so many countless uh, awful calls that they have towards this rule. Um, my college has actually been a victim of it. Um, Tremaine Edmonds one time in the game hit a guy. They called him for targeting. Didn't even come close to hitting his head. He hit him in the shoulder, and they actually threw him out of the game. And it was actually pretty pathetic. But, um, like, for this rule, you know, you guys know how Tom Brady uh, does his TV sneak. He leads with his head, right? What, what's going to happen when someone, like, is trying to hit him and stop him, and they, like, kind of hit his head a little bit. Like, he's putting his head down, he's, he's going down, but what's going to happen when they try to push him back and his, someone, his head is interfered with? It, it, it's going to cause a lot of confusion for not just the fans, but the players, uh, 
you know, the coaches, the owners, the general managers, everyone on the field. Um, I can't really say it's a good idea. Uh, I, um, I guess to eliminate um, headshots it, it is. Maybe you can finally get a player like Vontez Burfick out of the league at some point. Um, don't get me started on him. But um, it's just it's – just, I'm not a big fan of it cause just because it's just going to cause so much confusion, and it's really just going to rile up a lot of people. I get it in theory that it's probably good because you can eliminate some bad things, but it, in reality, it's just going it, – people are just going to get mad about it by probably after week one, I'd say. Yeah, after week one is a good <laughs> estimation of it. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's, very interesting take, Hunter, that, that in theory, yeah, it's a great idea, but, but in reality, is it really possible? Uh, Falcons president and uh, competition committee chairman Rich McKay says the idea here is to get college, high school, and the NFL all on the same page, taking uh, leading with your head on defense out of the game and teaching proper tackling techniques. I'm all for that. I'm assuming you're probably all for that too, but it's going to be a huge growing pain if, if uh, before we actually get to a point where, where people are tackling properly again because we're, we're, we see so many defenders leading with their head at this point. Yeah, I am all for that too, especially you know what happened with, um, with Ryan Chazier recently. Um, he also had an incident with Giovanni Bernard in two years ago. I think that's, that's the reason they probably implemented that rule because he led with the crown of his helmet and he took Giovanni Bernard out of the game. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I understand why they're putting it in. I mean, it, like I said, good in theory, but it, it's just, it's going to just cause a lot of confusion and people are just going to be People are going to, players are going to basically like say, how am I supposed to, how am I going to tackle now? It's gonna, I'm basically going to have to uh, learn how to tackle again is basically what probably a lot of players are thinking right now. Problem is they can't they can't call the the shot to the head rule right at at this point anyway. Uh, you know it, it's impossible to hit somebody without making some contact with your helmet. And that's just the way it is. You hit somebody high, you are going to get some helmet to helmet. You know, and, and that's not being dirty about it. That's just because the helmets are so damn big. You can't avoid a helmet-to-helmet hit, even with when you leave with your shoulder. So how are they yeah, going to call this? Um, probably probably when it, they see a dirty play. Yeah, how are they going to call this? They they can't. You know, this, this is ridiculous that they're even going to try it. And for another thing, they're this is not going to help anything as far as head injuries to NFL players. And um, uh, later uh, injuries, you know, the uh, brain uh, trauma that that players suffer. It's actually the minor hits that do the most damage, not the big helmet-to-helmet hits. It's the 50 to 60 small, you know, jarring uh, man-against-man head-jarring hits that that actually do the most damage in football. So, you know, this is the NFL just being. Uh, uh, you think it's a PR stunt? Yeah, exactly. They're trying to take again. The NFL can point at themselves and say, "Well, we, you know, we're trying to do something about this. Uh, you know, the problems that that." And I forget what what they call it. You know, for some reason, it just slipped my mind. Uh, Brain injury that players are suffering from, but... uh, CTE? And they kind of weak. CTE, yeah. CTE, yeah. Thank you. But this is not going to do anything to ease uh, the effects of CTE after players get done with their NFL careers because... as I say, it's it, it's the smaller hits, the smaller hits. You know, the brain still moves inside the skull, becomes bruised, and it, it happens. You know, again, thirty, forty times a game. 
Um, but the NFL doesn't want to look at that. They want to try and divert attention away from that. The fact that just playing the game is dangerous. I and yeah. I'm, I'm not one who's saying you should you should do away with football, but you know, football players have got to know that just playing the game is dangerous, whether you lower yeah. your head or not. So, and and that's one of the things. This this is a big move that. And, and you made a great point, Dave. They don't even know what language is going to make up this rule yet. So yeah, how yeah. the heck do you even try to incorporate something like this? So I, I think this is going to—I think this is going to replace the text rule as the big rule that everybody's going to be uh, losing their minds about, uh, at, you know, as the season starts. Right, because yeah. fortunately yeah. they have corrected the, the catch rule, and a big Thank part God, of the problem with that rule was the language. So that's why I say that we have to wait to see what, how it, it's actually worded yet before we completely criticize this new helmet-to-helmet rule. But um, the the fact that they are putting it in is is, is newsworthy and, and um, can, can lead to problems. I, the big issue I have, guys, is, is right now the language says that can lead to ejection. And, and I'm just curious, any helmet-to-helmet hit, is that going to be an ejection? I mean, that's going to be a lot of a lot of ejections. And then if we don't yeah. have it be just a widespread, okay, if you hit with your helmet-to-helmet, helmet then it's an ejection. If it's not going to be that, it's going to be something uh, nuanced like the catch rule. We're going to get it wrong constantly, and then that's going to cause a lot of problems too. I think the yep, and 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 that well, is players, the issue with the college targeting. The point is, the helmet is this isn't necessarily helmet to helmet. It's lowering the helmet to initiate contact. But the thing right. is, to make a regular tackle, you lower the helmet so you can go in with your shoulder. So who's to say that? You know, again, it's just a natural natural move to go in with the shoulder. You don't go in with your head up. You go in with your head down, get the shoulder and ramp. But what if, you know, the offensive player makes a move and, you know, you end up actually making more contact with the helmet to the midsection to his, you know, bottom of his helmet. You know, now all of a sudden you, you're going to make a legal tackle. Now all of a sudden you, you've got problems uh, because now you're going to be called for a penalty. Um, you, you're going to look like a dirty player. It wasn't a dirty play, but it's going to look like it because you, you brought your head down. Uh, yeah, players are going to have to start learning how to make tackles with their heads uh, head held high and – you know, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to affect the game. Well, the other interesting part about it is it, it uh, right now it says applies to any player on the feet. If a running back overs his head, that's an ejectable, ejectable for, uh, uh, penalty yeah, as well. Let, 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 let's eject a running back for lowering his head and trying to truck stick someone. Oh, my God. That's going to be a that, that's, crap shoot. That, that's what, the way it reads right now. That, that, uh, that's if, such a crap shoot if that, what, if that yeah. is, oh, my God. I mean, let, let's, just take, let's just take the running back out of the league then if you're going to make if – if, if that is the rule going to be in May. Let's take the running back position out of the league. I mean, Le'Veon Bell does that constantly. You know, at this point, running backs aren't allowed to lower their head, but they still do it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I see it. I see it. I mean, I know Dave sees. It. I see Le'Veon do that every single game. He he plays for the Steelers, and he'll do it next year too. So as uh, it's that's it's such ugh. <laughs> you know, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how they're gonna. Uh, Officiate this. How they're going to uh, make this make this badly. work on the field? Badly. That's how they'll officiate it. Badly. 
I, I, I want to make one other point, and, and this kind of leads into our, our mound visits uh, discussion for, for baseball. And also I think it, it, it also um, kind of goes back to the point you made about it maybe being a PR stunt, and, and maybe not even a PR stunt. I, it, it just these leagues, and, and when I say these, I, I'm talking about NHL, NFL and MLB. I, I don't pay all that much attention to the NBA and what, what rule changes they possibly have had the last few years, but it just seems like every offseason there's some type of pretty significant change in, in every single week. You know, NHL, they've, had, they've changed their offsides, I feel like, two, three years in a row. Uh, baseball is obsessed with trying to make the game shorter, faster, whatever. Uh, pace of play uh, issue that they've made up really themselves and, and the NFL it's, it's they're changing their rules too we, we, and, the, and some of the rules have been great I, I love the the two-point conversion thing that you can block the extra point and take it back for two points as the defense I like that change I like I, I actually ended up liking the extra point getting moved back at first I didn't like it I like it now that it's not just a a, a easy one point it, it makes it a little bit more interesting but in these leagues, we, we have just this obsession, it seems like, with just let's just change something. Sake, let's mm-hmm. change something for the sake of change. And, and to me, that doesn't make the game better. It doesn't make it any more interesting for any of these sports. No, it doesn't. It, 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 a lot of it's useless. Um, you know, I'm, you know, this is not going to, as far as what they've done in football, this is not going to cut the amount of time that they end up going to replay uh, to to challenge calls and 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 try and get calls right. Uh, as, as far as the pass world, one of the things this is going to do is you're going to have to start trying to figure out whether a, a player made a football move or not, which to me is easy, but you know, Dave, I don't, I don't know about you. You know, you called the our fantasy baseball league. Uh, thank God, Bud Selig is gone. But I'm getting tired of Rob Manfred. <laughs> okay. Rob Manfred. Yeah. The, we're, we're we're pivoting to baseball. Oh, I mean, I know who he is. Uh, I, I'm surprised Tom's getting tired of him. Oh, okay. Uh, well, this case of flake crap. Uh, is really starting to get ridiculous. Um, And and I agree, catchers can visit the mound a little too much. It was getting a little too uh, ridiculous. But, you know, the one thing that I always say, you want to affect the game time, you want to cut down time of Major League Baseball games, keep hitters in the box. Do not grant them time out to step out of the box and adjust their batting gloves, uh, touch their hat, uh, arrange their uh, their cup, uh, and, you know, <laughs> keep them in the box. That's all you have to do. And I'm telling you, games all, the pace of play will increase by at least half an hour per game. <clears throat> yeah. I I agree with you. I I think that's right. Um, I will say though, I I don't mind the the mounds rule visit change. I I I ultimately at first I hated it. You know, I I'm a, I I played catcher in high school. I went out to mound a lot to talk to my friends, to talk to my my pitchers, to get them calm. Uh, I felt oh, like I I, I had a good uh, I had a good feeling about when to go and when not to go, um, and, and having a limit for for catchers, how, how often they can go to the mound. I think at first I thought it was ridiculous, but you know what? We have limited timeouts in other sports. Maybe it was long overdue to have that in baseball. And, and so far I've only, I've watched four games in the first two days and only one team has used all six in, in nine innings. So I, I don't think it's really been an issue where we've come to a point in a game yet, at least not yet. It's only two days, but we haven't come to a point yet where man, I really would like to have a mound visit right now, and I don't have one. That, that hasn't happened. I haven't seen that happen yet. Me either. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this goes on as the season goes on. 
It, it will. It will. Uh, initially, I, I kind of like the, the rule change. Again, at first, I didn't like it at all. Um, but I, I do think that increasing the pace of play is, is not a bad idea. I do think initially, uh, or, or, or I do still agree with you, Tom, that the best way to do it would be keeping guys in the box. But I also kind of feel like it's been way overplayed, that we don't have that big of a problem in baseball. Football games, especially in college, take longer than baseball games. And we have no problem with the length of college football games. They take three and a half hours, college football games. At, at right. least. Playoff baseball games hours. are, are wait. Playoff because baseball of the, games. Because of all the replay um, action that, that you've initiated in, in pro football and college football, that you know, all of a sudden, that's what takes a lot of time. That, that's a lot of downtime in these games. And in college, I think the, the, the clock stopping on every first down really adds a lot of time to the, yes, to the length does. of the game. It really does. Yeah, it does. It but, does. Playoff but you were going to say something, Hunter? Too long. Playoff baseball games are way too long. That's my take. See, but it's, if, if you're not interested in the playoff baseball game, then go watch something else. I mean, oh, that's no. kind of the way I feel it. If if you're interested in the game, I'm not look. If if it's Nationals Dodgers and and it's nail biting game, are you really sitting thinking to yourself, man, this game's taking really long time? No, you're watching no. the game, right? No. Yeah, you're involved no, yeah, yeah. in the game. Yeah, I was just saying. I think for the common fan, they probably do think it's way too long. For the common fan, you're, you're right. Uh, that's that's probably true. Um, and mm-hmm. that's why I don't think. The mound visit rule is is awful. I think it's good because we do want more casual fans tuning in. But ultimately, do I think baseball has a problem with their length of games? No, I don't. You know, that's the thing. I'll give you that, that, you know, this might actually be not a bad change. If they go any farther than this, though, like with the pitch flack and everything else, then I'm going to start having a time. Uh, really going to start getting because it seems like Manfred's getting closer and closer to to making a lot of these other adjustments that are really going to affect games. Um, yeah, I don't think actually I thought worse of the rule before they actually started this season, and it does seem like limiting mound visits has actually you know it does help with the pace. Uh, Mm-hmm. And, and I'm not, and I'm interested to see how this, how it affects the games in about the next month. Let's get a bigger sample size. But yeah, you know, but that's the thing. You know, my one big pace of play argument has always been keep your hitters in the box. You know, you, you can save yeah. so much time. Hitters do not need to be stepping out of the box between each pitch. Hmm. Uh, keep them in the box, and and you will get games under three hours, and you're going to have everybody happy. There you go. That's the way to do it. They tried. They, they tried that, right? And it didn't really work. That was one of the things they put in a couple years ago, and players just didn't listen. Doesn't matter, yeah. you know. But the problem is, is it's up to the umpire to grant timeout. Umpire does not have to grant timeout. You're right. That's true. Right. That's true. They didn't. They didn't. The do umpire good does not have to grant timeout. If a player steps out and a pitcher pitches, you make the call. You don't have to grant yeah. timeout if a player decides he needs to step out of the box. You're right. That's true. That's true. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, that is. I would. I would. I'm agreeing with you, Tom. I absolutely 100% would rather have that. Um, w- would argue that we should have that because I, I I don't not think if the play couldn't improve it could, um, but is it so bad that we need a pitch clock? Is it so bad that we need to start extra innings with a guy on second? No, absolutely not. We do oh, not. Don't even go any there. Of those <laughs> do not uh, that's, go that's there. something they're they're considering. <laughs> I know it is, and that's another reason why I'm getting tired of Rob Manfred. Because he keeps floating these yeah. ridiculous rules that have nothing to do with the game of baseball. At least he's not so, Doug Selig. 
deep hitters in the box. Well, well we I will, know, we know on, what on, on YouTube, yeah, I wish I could, could have found it again. Somebody did a side-by-side comparison of a mid-60s at-bat by Mickey Mantle and a uh, and a bat by David Ortiz and showing, and it was about the same number of pitches, like a 10-pitch at-bat. Ortiz's at-bat took almost 20 minutes. Mantle's at-bat took, didn't even take five because he stayed in the box. He was always ready to hit. Well, I guess we know what grinds Tom's gears all the time. This is the big thing. It is. <laughs> you know, be ready to hit. You know, nice. let let the umpire call a couple of strikes on these guys, and they'll they'll get the picture real quick. They'll change their habits. Uh, you know, it, it won't take much. Oh man. Tom, you, you, well, we'll, we'll have me, to man. return to this topic. This We're out good. of time today. Uh, unfortunately for us diehard baseball fans, this this pace of play issue, which I don't, again, I don't think it's an issue, but it, the the made up issue that baseball has created is going to be a topic for. It's not going away. It's going to remain a topic. So, I'm. We probably will return to it at some point. But we're out of time today. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll be back next Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern Time.